This episode of Literary Treks is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your desktop or mobile device. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Also, help us keep Star Trek discussion coming to you each day by becoming a Trek FM patron through Patreon. Get access to exclusive content and become part of the team. You'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry and you're listening to Trek FM. books. I thought I'd take some light reading in case I got bored. Welcome everyone to another episode of Literary Treks. I am one of the hosts, Matthew Rushing, and of course my illustrious host Dan Gunther is with me as well. Dan, how are you doing? Ah, doing pretty well, Matthew. Um, illustrious. I, I don't know that I've been described as illustrious much, but uh, I kind of like that. Dan, that, that, <laughs> that, that, that that's shocking. I I just don't understand why. Um, well, more people need to refer to you as illustrious. Then uh, we we need to get that out on the interwebs and uh, just make it part of your profile or something. The illustrious Dan Gunther. I feel like that would be very. <laughs> if I put that on my resume, it would be like the most presum- presumptuous thing ever. Oh my god! Can you imagine seeing that on somebody's resume and like, what a d bag? I mean, who does this guy think he is? <laughs> That is awesome. (laughs) Oh, Oh, gosh. Well, it is a slower week for us in the literary world. Not a ton of news, but um, I did want to mention for everyone because it's a big deal. Atonement is out now. It came out yesterday, so Kirsten Byers' Atonement, and I can't wait to dive into this one. Um, I'm a little busy with packing all my stuff up and... um, moving this weekend so i'm not going to get to dive into it just yet but i cannot wait to see what happens in this book and get to talk to kirsten in just a couple weeks yeah matthew i'm really excited for this one uh kirsten has described this as the third part of a trilogy of the last uh two books and this one in her voyager relaunch so you know a lot of really interesting plot threads to tie up and to introduce you know new ideas going forward uh, she's already announced the follow-up novel to this one coming next year, uh, Pocket Full of Lies. <laughs> I mean, this it's is so exciting. It's so great. You know, we I love her writing. I you know, a lot of people might know that, you know, I wasn't the hugest fan of Voyager when it was on. Uh I still liked it. It was still Star Trek, but it was kind of my least favorite Star Trek. But these books by Kirsten Beyer have just really become a jewel in the Trek lit line, and I absolutely love them every time they're released well i am celebrating a personal victory for myself a a good friend of mine who's always been a big voyager fan um recently just finished all of deep space nine and uh we actually uh facetimed the other day and 
she really enjoyed it. Um, it's it's still not her favorite series, but we we had a great conversation about it and and really what she liked about the the show and some questions and all that. But um, on the other side too, I have gotten her into reading Kirsten Byers Voyager books nice. and on a whole she has really enjoyed and, and Voyager is her favorite series so it has been a lot of fun to have the opportunity to kind of relive vicariously through her her enjoyment of those books and now she's caught up and she just finished Acts of Contrition just the other day and she texts me and goes well, uh, I guess it's good timing because Atonement comes out next week. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah. So she's poised right there to to begin uh, Atonement this week. So, yeah, it is it is just, um, this is something huge. I, I love, like you said, you know, Voyager, not my favorite series uh, of all of um, Star Trek. Obviously, that's Deep Space Nine. But the way that Kirsten makes use of these characters is um, pretty fantastic. And um, it's she just takes all the potential that was in Voyager and really brings it home. You know, um, <laughs> pardon the pun. I didn't <laughs> even mean to do that. But she, she really does um, making a, a character like, say, Chakotay or Harry Kim, somebody that's kind of a standout in the series, you know, and... Uh, I, I think that that just shows that what was there in the matter for, you know, to be replicated there on Voyager, it was all there. You know, they had all the tools they needed to make an incredible show. Um, they were just hampered by some things. So mm. uh, Kirsten does a fantastic job. And I think the best part is she knows Voyager. Oh, yeah better than i know just about anything so <laughs> yeah, and, it, and it really shows that really comes i mean through. when she writes those characters it's it's clear that it's a, from a place that's not only a place of love and respect for these characters but like you say really deep knowledge of them and what makes them tick so uh i haven't cracked into this one quite yet but i'm really excited to do so well, Dan, I can't wait either, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to to dive into that, and then of course get to talk to Kirsten in just a couple of weeks. Um, just a side note for everyone: we will be off next week because I am moving, so Literary Treks is going to be taking a week off. Uh, apologize for that, but uh, with everything going on, it's uh, just too much to try and keep a handle on. That's why we wanted to make sure that this episode went out for everybody and um, so that you only had a week. Uh, and so I encourage you, uh, maybe dive into the back catalog. Go check out the um, Acts of Contrition podcast that we did with Kirsten uh, talking about that book or maybe some other author interview that we've done. I mean, recently David Mack was just on the show. Um, and then we have plenty of books that we've been covering uh, over – well, this is 118, number 118 of episodes, so there's a lot back there. Um, in fact, you could go all the way to the beginning, and talk, uh, our second interview was with Kirsten Beyer talking about the Eternal Tide. So, lots for you to choose from, so I hope you'll do that. And before we go to and hit our feature, where we're going to be talking about Shadows of the Indignant, continuing on with the Mere Anarchy series, remember that Literary Treks is part of of the Trek FM network. We have 20 different shows for you on the network with every single aspect of Star Trek covered from every show to behind the scenes to different points of view 
to beyond Star Trek with the 602 Club. So we've got something for you. You can check us out at iTunes.com slash TrekFM. And then, of course, we're online at our own website at Trek.FM, and that's a great place to visit us. Uh, if you are on iTunes, we're a featured provider there on iTunes, uh, where most people get their podcasts these days. And you could do something helpful for us. You can give us a star rating and review. That really does help us rise in those iTunes rankings. Uh, makes us stay in that what's hot section. So people looking for good podcasts to find literary treks. And then, of course, if you're not an Apple user, you can find us on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, We've got the MP3 file on the website, and you can also grab the RSS link as well. If you would like to contact us about anything here on Literary Treks, please do that at trek.fm slash contact. Of course, we are on Twitter at trek.fm, and of course on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. And something special that only happens here on Literary Treks, Dan, is our Goodreads group. Yeah, Matthew. Uh, The Goodreads group, it's a great place to kind of get together, talk about the books that we've been talking about on the podcast Uh, there you'll also see a list of books that we have covered and the episodes that go with them and also the books that we will be covering in the near future in the books we are reading now section which is really exciting because you can kind of get ahead and read the book before you listen to the podcast so it's really an excellent way to kind of keep your finger on the pulse of what literary checks is up to Mm, I like that. Yeah, definitely keep your pulse there. And to find that link, you can either go to Goodreads and type in Literary Treks, or you can also just go to our show page of any of the show pages we've done recently, and you'll find the link for Goodreads there as well. Well, Dan, I think it's uh, time for us to jump into our feature. Let's do it. Dan, I really like when we do these ebook specials um and we we talk through one of the mini series and it's it's been a lot of fun to to be able to do that um you know we had done that with the slings and arrows series and now we're doing it with the mere anarchy series and that kind of i guess in some ways it turns into long form storytelling because each person is telling a part of a larger whole and and so in some ways it has that feeling of like one of the relaunch series, but a little bit more condensed. Uh, and uh, this one has been pretty epic because we are walking through every single part of TOS with these characters and with this kind of one planet and this one situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Matthew, it's a lot of fun. I, I feel like a lot of these are kind of almost overlooked parts of Treklet. I mean, everybody knows the novels and the kind of major series, but... This series and the Slings and Arrows series are kind of just a little bit off to the side of what people might initially go to for Treklet. So it's really fun to kind of peel back the curtain on these stories and really examine them. And yeah, this one is really exciting because, like you said, it goes through all of the eras of TOS, uh, especially some of the eras that maybe haven't gotten a lot of exploration in the past, like uh, this story in particular. Yeah, this story here, it really dives in right at the motion picture era. And, you know, we talk a lot about the idea of of not having tons of novels here. But I think this one was really nice because it seems to be set a few months or maybe a year before the motion picture. And I kind of get that feeling. I don't know. 
I don't remember there being like a, you know, start date stamp or anything mm. on the book. Uh, did you get that feeling too, Dan, that it's maybe about a year out or so? Yeah, it feels like Kirk has fairly recently been promoted to Admiral and is kind of getting a feel for the job. McCoy has uh, he's been away from Starfleet for a little while, but not quite as long as we get the impression he was away in the motion picture. So, yeah, I kind of feel like maybe right in the middle there, right between the end of the original series and the beginning of the motion picture. I think one of the fun things about this is that it does kind of put characters in a different frame of mind you know um they especially mccoy here in this story is he's in a civilian state of mind Mm -hmm. he's not thinking about starfleet anymore he is you know become the 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 country doctor uh he's in kentucky (laughs) um you know he's far away from the hustle and bustle of of the 23rd centuries in a small town you know, uh, and I think that that's just something we don't see a lot of with these characters kind of outside of the normal preview of, oh, we're on the Enterprise, chief medical officer, captain, all of that kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah, that's one thing the story is really good for is kind of taking these, well, these two characters really out of their regular roles and giving them something new to experience and really putting them at different places in their lives. And McCoy in particular, you know, I really like that image of him as an old country doctor, maybe at the end of every day, just kind of sitting on his porch with his feet up and a mint julep. I mean, you know, it's perfect. (laughs) If anybody's going to like smoke a cigar too in Star Trek, (laughs) it's it. Kirk, obviously, he he smokes that in uh, whatever that is that Marty gives him in uh, Star Trek Six. But I could see McCoy being a guy who's like, eh, I'll clean my lungs out later. I'm enjoying my cigar, you know? <laughs> you know, if Kirk were to ever pick one up in front of McCoy, he'd, you know, read him the riot act for being unhealthy. But yeah, I think McCoy himself would put his feet up with no one else around and, and light up a cigar yeah. for sure. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Well, it is what's a, a fun thing, too, is is this story, you know, McCoy has been away kind of from the Starfleet life for a little while. And so when Kirk kind of draws him back to go check out what's going on in Mystico, there's and really what's happening is is Kirk has gotten wind of because he's Admiral, he is seeing some things happen in that area of the galaxy that maybe other admirals might not pick up, but he does because he's been out there Mm. um, as a captain. And so he kind of draws McCoy back and says, Hey, I need, I need your help with this. And you know, they go undercover, but I love that McCoy, you know, he's looking around when they're at Starfleet headquarters and he's like, why is everybody wearing these footy pajamas? <laughs> I mean, this is ridiculous. Why is everything white and beige? What's going on here? You can imagine yeah. leaving Starfleet <laughs> at the end of the five-year mission with, you know, bright primary cl- colors and flashing lights everywhere and, you know, black polished bridge with red highlights. And then all of a sudden coming back and everything's just painted white or silver. And everybody, like you said, is wearing footy pajamas. Uh yeah. I can't imagine oh. like that's a huge change. <laughs> it is a huge change. Um and it's it's not a good one. So that was just a really funny thing where I think Dave Gallanter just kind of tapped in a little bit 
to what that character really probably would be thinking since he's been away from that. And so the first time that he sees, you know, all of these Starfleet people walking around where some people are still in the old outfits and then other people are in these new outfits and and it just kind of looks, well, utterly ridiculous (laughs) um, when we think about it. And yeah, I the footy pajamas <laughs> just cracks me up. Oh, I thought that was great. Oh. And yeah, like picturing while you're reading the two uniforms mixed together kind of thing. Like some people wearing the old one, some people wearing the new one. Like that just, like what a contrast. I can't imagine what that would look like. I mean, there must have been just a couple months there where Starfleet was just the worst eyesore you could possibly imagine. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> I, yeah, um... I don't even I don't even know if I want to think about that because it just it just seems it really does when you kind of think about those two things together really ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I mean, you'd be torn well, you between mentioned- having this bright garish uniform and then having to change into that new drab one. Like I, I really wouldn't know which way to go on that. <laughs> Talk about like, you know how people, if they live in a place where, you know, like I live here in the Seattle area and, you know, people always kind of, I think, expect that it's always drab and dreary here. (laughs) But if you do live in a place that rains a lot, you know, I think a lot of people, it affects your mood, you know, it it can, it can make you depressed um, if it's dark. And and a lot of people like in say in in Alaska deal with that because it's dark for so long. And then, you know, the weirdest days. So I'm wondering if that happens on Starfleet ships and that's why (laughs) they finally change because everybody's like getting depressed and going to see the counselor too much because they're all in this like drab dreary universe where they're all wearing like beige and white footy pajamas. I, I don't get it, counselor. My my thoughts are just always gray and beige <laughs> and kind of this weird powder blue color. I don't I don't understand where these feelings are coming from. <laughs> Accentuated by big belt buckles. I just doesn't make any sense. Uh yeah. It's it's funny. Well, you did mention here that, you know, Kirk at this point does kind of have a vague dissatisfaction with his new job. And this mission here kind of puts him on the path of realizing maybe, maybe promotion's just not for me. Maybe I missed the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that that was nice because, uh, and a lot of, pre-motion picture stories do that because it's a good thing to kind of do but I just I liked the way that Dave did it because it wasn't over the head hitting you over the head and it really didn't happen until the very end of the book so you're kind of ending on that and it's not like a constant reminder the whole time Mm -hmm. I just I thought it was well done here in this you know pre-motion picture era yeah and it it really does I mean you know um the way that he structures the story everything about Kirk is showing you in the story that he's really meant to be out there Mm -hmm. yeah I felt there was kind of a really nice balance in this story because at some points he's telling McCoy you know, as an admiral, you know, that allowed me to see these patterns and to, you know, realize what was going on here. 
so he's he's you know talking up the reasons that he took the promotion and the reasons why it could be a good thing but you also kind of get the feeling that he's trying to convince himself a little bit at times and then you know as the story goes like you say he kind of comes to realize this is more fun and this is where I can make a difference is out here like you know he talks about if he had the resources of the enterprise and its crew with him on this mission as opposed to having to do it this way you know how would it be different it might be better it might be worse but he misses that and it's very clear as you read this that that's, that that's the case yeah i i completely completely agree with you um because the other thing that dave really does here that i really love is that he shows how kirk has matured from the five year mission to somebody who is a little bit more diplomatic and understands how to use those kind of channels and kind of has taken what he has learned from being an admiral and the the politics involved there and really use that to his advantage in this situation. I, I think it's um, you know, all in all, I honestly I feel kind of funny in the sense that I've said nothing but good things, but Dave, I think, has just nailed the characterization here of Kirk. And we were talking on the other side of the page that, you know, Dave's other two books are very Spock heavy. Mm -hmm. They're, They're very much about Spock. And yet I think he really has, as you kind of said earlier, um, bringing in the idea of, he has the pulse of the TOS characters, especially these three. Mm. Um, and I was really excited. And you know who I feel about McCoy. <laughs> Having the two of them in a buddy cop movie was just brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it was a really, uh, really great pairing. And, you know, like like we were talking about on the other side of the page, the dynamic of Kirk and McCoy together without Spock to kind of provide that logical balance was really interesting to see. And we see that, you know, Kirk has matured quite a bit because I don't think during the TOS era, it would have gone quite the way it does here. I think Jim Kirk would have blown in there and, you know, muscled everybody and, you know, made some big arrests and that kind of thing. And, but you know, in this one, he takes a very measured, very deliberate set of actions to kind of get to the bottom of what's going on and root out this corruption from the bottom out. And uh, it works really well. This is this is a really good Jim Kirk to read about this kind of more seasoned, not quite to the point that he is in the later movies, but still very a little bit more methodical, a little, little bit more meticulous, and also recognizing that the reason he brought McCoy along is to kind of be that heart and that, that heart and soul and conscience that McCoy has always been. Well, and that's one of the things that I liked about the story was that the connection between Kirk and Spock has always been a big deal. And yet, just as important for Kirk is McCoy. Mm-hmm. And the way that they work here, I I always think of it as like two brothers with McCoy being the older brother and Kirk being the younger brother. And, you know, with Kirk having lost his older brother, and that's even mentioned in this because they're using his old ship that he left to Kirk when he died, I I kind of see that 
McCoy has taken the place of, of Sam in his life. And, um, you know, and, and, and in some ways, um, I think Jim kind of trusts Leonard in the same way mm-hmm. uh, as he would a brother because he'll talk about things with McCoy in a way that he just couldn't do with Spock because Spock can't understand, you know, with the emotion behind it. And McCoy gets Kirk in a way that Spock can't until later on, mm-hmm. you know, like, say, Star Trek Six, honestly. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I just really, it's a wonderful story here with these two characters really shining a light on just how good they are. Um, and what good characters they are and how well they actually work together with, you know, no Spock around. Mm-hmm. It's almost as though, you know, kind of, uh, I feel like Spock a lot of times acts as kind of their net, you know, that mm-hmm. he's he's their mm-hmm. backup that's going to like think their way out of something and do something really logical that will save the day. And they kind of don't have him here. And it's really fun to see them you know, work together. And then, you know, the little quips they have amongst each other too. Like, uh, do you still remember how to work your phaser? <laughs> well, probably yeah. <laughs> not as well as I should. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's just fun to have these two together and, and really the, um, you know, Kirk, the natural leader and McCoy, the heart and the, the emotion. And I, I think it makes it, I, I would definitely watch a buddy cop film with these two. <laughs> Well, and and it's so great because, you know, McCoy is that kind of cranky older one, you know, he's like the Danny Glover (laughs) to um, Kirk's Mel Gibson, and it's very somewhat similar in that way. He's getting too old for this. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, He's getting too old for this ship. Um, And so it's... um, It really is. It's it's very nice to see those two characters in, in a... In a more stripped down manner, you know, where they're not on the Enterprise, where they're not having Spock to back them up, where they are having to think things through themselves and work things out themselves mm. uh, w- without, like you said, that kind of safety net. And it kind of shows, too, these guys are smart and capable and, and um, you know, they have the wherewithal to be able to handle these kind of situations without Spock. And... Um, that was that was nice as well. Um, one of the things here that was an interesting part of the story was this exploitation that's been happening and this kind of strange bedfellows that you end up with with politics. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with all that's happened on Mystico, it's not surprising that people would be trying to find a way to have the upper hand in things or um, make an extra buck or live a cushier life or, you know, so it kind of makes sense that there would be this underground mafia, basically, this black market going on. And it was a really interesting story to watch the way in which a culture has been stripped of everything and they're trying to, to make the best of what they have. They're having a hard time just you know living (laughs) they live underground and uh, that you know the politicians have kind of gotten in bed with the black market to help out until they find out that they're being backed by the Klingons Mm -hmm. um and it was just really interesting uh, to see because there's a there's a whole thematic side here 
that it's not fully fleshed out, but it just gives you enough to think about. Mm. And, you know, the sad thing is it's it's something that's very familiar to, you know, if there's a there's a war going on or poverty or strife, you know, there's always going to be somebody there who's going to try and take advantage of the situation. I mean, you know, we have war profiteers and, and people like that that just really like to, you know, look out for number one and, like I said, really take advantage of really bad situations. It occurs to me, actually, while I was reading this, um, this this happens again later in Star Trek, and the whole Klingon involvement in this affair really reminded me of the Circle trilogy on Deep Space Nine, where it turned out it was the Cardassians that were yes. supplying arms to the Circle, mm-hmm. uh, you know, trying to foment rebellion and that kind of thing. And in this case, you know, it's clear that these guys are, you know, they have Klingon designed weapons and, you know, they're really profiting from the Klingons really trying to make inroads and, you know, mm-hmm. discredit Mystico's government and by extension the Federation's involvement in the on in the affairs of the planet. So I, uh, yeah, just kind of halfway through it occurred to me, oh, this is uh, very similar to that story. But, you know, it's it's an important story to tell because it's something that's very much grounded in reality. And uh, it's it's always horrible to see when people really try to take advantage of, of bad situations. Well, and it's a consistent story, mm-hmm. you know, for history it, it's going to continue to keep happening and i think um, i love you talking about the way that this really reminds you of the circle trilogy chris and i are doing that um small mini series there from deep space nine on the orb right now and yes it's it's very similar it's it's pretty much the same plot it's sadly something that we'll continue to see i think yeah um and that was one of the things that was really interesting here i thought is the way that this was kind of showing that these things still happen. You know, even this is the 23rd century, you know, it's not the perfect utopia of the 24th century, but these things still happen out there. And, you know, for a planet that's been devastated, like Mystico or any other planet in Star Trek that, you know, gets devastated by some sort of horrible disaster, uh, this is going to be a thing. You know, mm-hmm. Kirk even says greed is a constant in the universe. And McCoy's like, show me a greedy Vulcan. <laughs> and Kirk was says, well, they're greedy for knowledge and peace. And he's like, oh, okay, well, that's just terrible. You know, in his McCoy voice, like, how, oh, how bad is that? Mm-hmm. But, you know, Kirk has a point that for all other species that are so emotionally invested, there is usually some sort of greed that is a part of us that comes out at the worst times. Mm. And that's something that probably won't get driven out entirely. Um, and, uh, and of course we even know you look at the 24th century and you got Ferengi. So <laughs> um, it's definitely not something that leaves and you got greedy bad morals and, all that kind of stuff throughout the 23rd, 24th century. So, uh, yeah, this stuff, unfortunately, just keeps happening. Mm-hmm. I actually really enjoyed Kirk's comeback to McCoy there about the Vulcans being greedy for peace and, and logic and that sort of thing. Because it really, it actually made me start to think about the whole f- idea of greed as a driving force and if it's channeled in a good way, it can be really great, like the 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 urge to explore or the the 
uh, desire to learn more to, or to discover things, you know? So if you think about that as kind of a form of greed, it's like greed turned in a positive direction, wanting to better yourself or better your world. Um, you know, for people in bad situations, wanting to get out of that situation, wanting a better life and that sort of thing, or it can be turned in a negative direction as we so often see in, like in this story. Yeah, and it is interesting because, you know, you can also think of it and you can think of the cautionary tales of, say, like um, the Faustian deal for forbidden knowledge. Mm. Uh, you think of the Garden of Eden and taking what you're not supposed to have. Um, I'm going to lump in with this and people might hate me, but uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal <laughs> Skull trying to get knowledge that shouldn't be yours. I, I don't um, know that you know, movie. So, I only know that there's yeah. three was there a fourth one? Well, there's a fourth oh. one. Just check it oh. out. Uh, it's not as bad as people say, but that's I'm a 602 <laughs> club. Um, it's, it, but I mean, all of those things, you think about it, you know, even the greed for knowledge can be destructive. Mm -hmm. And um, knowing what's good to know takes wisdom. And I think that's the whole thing that you get with Spock about logic is only the beginning of wisdom. And so logic and knowledge, those don't, really do their best work until they're applied with wisdom mm. and um so yeah i think that it just created just a little hint of a kernel to plant in your brain that just kind of grows and you think about it, you're like huh that's that's i might have to mull over that one for a while yeah it kind of took it to in an interesting direction for me and like I actually remember reading that line and kind of laughing it off and then kind of later that evening thinking to myself, huh, and taking it in a completely different direction that I didn't expect to go in there. And I love what that happens with these novels and, you know, especially a novel like this where it's it's a small book, you know, it's on my e-reader, it's 64 pages, it's, mm. it's very small and yet at the same time, Dave is able to nail the characterization and give you those pieces of TOS, the things to think about, without beating you over the head with them. And I think that's where Star Trek, again, is, is at its best. So um, for you, what would you rate this one, do you think, Dan? Well, I really enjoyed this one. Um, you know, after having read a couple of very good novels by Dave Gallanter, when I saw his name on this story, uh, you know, I knew I was in for at least something that would have very good characterization. Uh, and then as I read it and realized it was a Kirk and McCoy and, you know, really no other main character at all uh, story, you know, it was a really interesting choice to do this story. And I really enjoyed it. I thought the format was excellent. Uh, I'm, I really had a hard time finding anything that I didn't like about this story. Uh, so I think if I were to give it a rating, I would have to give it probably five out of five non-tooth showing smiles. <laughs> <laughs> that was a funny point in the story. <laughs> yeah, I'm right with you. I, I think that this is really, is a well-told story. It's one of those things. That's why I like the eBooks. You can sit down, you can read in a couple of hours, a good Star Trek tale that'll give you some things to think about. And like with this one, as we've talked about, quite a lot the characterization is is spot on and or spock on <laughs> and um even though he does not make appearance in this novel he's there in spirit and <laughs> yeah exactly 
And because of that, I, I'm with you. I would give this four and a half out of five Kirk comebacks because uh, it is. It really I'm hard-pressed to find anything that I don't like about it, and I think the only thing that I don't like about it is that I kind of wish that this was a longer book, mm-hmm. that we had had more time with just Kirk and, and McCoy on a mission like this. So I, I really think that's the only thing where I got to the end. I'm like, I could... I could use more story like this, you know. Um, obviously, this story, I don't think it needed to be longer. I was just kind of sad that it ended. So I think that's a good place to be with any book. Definitely, yeah. I mean, uh, I found I found myself feeling quite the same way. It wasn't so much that I wanted more of this story, but I, I really enjoyed the whole feeling evoked by the two of them working together and, and a story like this uh, and... Yeah, I want to see the big Christmas blockbuster Kirk McCoy buddy cop movie. Dan, I love when we get a chance to just sit down and and talk about a book like this. And I hope that it does encourage people to get out there and uh, read this series and and check it out. And I'm glad, like you said, we're kind of shining a light on these ebook series. Because I think one of the things where people kind of miss them is that it was... Before ebooks were really popular, like people really understood how they worked, you know, and I think now people just kind of miss that they're there. So I hope everybody will go check out, you know, uh, this ebook series, uh, Slings and Arrows, um, you know, the Starfleet Corps of Engineers series. I mean, there's so many out there um, that Star Trek has done. So definitely check out mirror anarchy i I don't think that you're going to be disappointed yeah definitely these books they're like i've said a corner of the star trek universe that not a lot of people know about so it's always fun to discover new things and yeah star trek really did ebooks well before they became popular it's it kind of amazed me when i found out that these were published as early as they were i I can't think of anybody that I know that were reading ebooks at this time. So, you know, little known and, and, you know, really gems to be discovered here. Mm. Well, before we go, I wanted to remind everyone that one of the ways that listeners can help the network is through patreon.com slash Trek FM. We are a listener supported network and uh, what we do with those funds that we raise there in Patreon, we take those and we help all the costs that we have. Um, it, it is quite expensive to run a podcast network the size of Trek FM with all the hosting online, the website, everything else, the software we use, the hardware we need, um, storage space, you know, just locally at homes, you know, to hold all the files that we have, all of that. All that you do for us in patreon.com slash trekfm helps us make sure that we keep bringing spectacular content to you through all the podcasts here at Trek FM. If you go to patreon.com slash trekfm, you will see all the goals that we're trying to reach as a network. We have some milestone contribution levels. We have some really cool perks these days. The Patreon Roundtable, we've got exclusive content producer credit, seats in the content development team, so much more. In fact, I'd really like to thank Will Wynn and Ken Tripp for their support on Patreon. They are associate producers here on this show, and it's because of them that we're able to bring Literary Treks to you each week. So go to patreon.com slash and find out more of the ways that you can help us. 
Of course, I uh, want to remind you that you can find all the shows on iTunes.com slash TrekFM and, of course, our website, Trek.FM. Dan, when you're not stealing away with Admiral Kirk and Dr. McCoy to a little-known planet to try and stop some sort of nefarious deeds, where can we find you? You know, Matthew, it's a lot of fun, but, man, that McCoy guy is pretty crotchety. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Matthew, you can find me online. Uh, My website is www.treklit.com, and there I review Star Trek novels, both old and new. I'm on facebook.com slash treklitreviews, and uh, on Twitter at treklitreviews, and on my personal Twitter account at kertrats, that's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. And uh, Matthew... When you're not furiously designing new Starfleet uniforms, anything to get the Starfleet to stop wearing footy pajamas, where can we find you? Oh, gosh. Can we please get out of the footy pajamas? Oh, I feel like an idiot in this thing. <laughs> um, well, of course, you can't find me on Twitter uh, at MattRushing02. Luckily, nobody can see me. I'm on Instagram at MRushing. Uh, don't take any pictures of my footy pajamas there <laughs> uh you can also find me doing the orb with christopher jones talking exclusively about deep space nine that is our deep space nine only podcast here on the network and of course you can also find me doing the 602 club we pick a great new topic each week in the geek universe something new something old really trying to uh, just introduce us to things that we might not have tried enjoy the classics that we all love Uh, In fact, we had a fantastic episode recently talking with John Champion about The Man from Uncle, which is in theaters now, which I encourage all of you to see and check out the episode. And of course, I do have my own personal blog at 42lifeinbetween.wordpress.com. Thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, live long and read on. You call that light reading? To each his own, number one.